what I want to say to you is pretty simple. You know, we, we really had a theme this week of closing the gap in your marriage. How many of you are married? Wave your hand at me. How many of you have a loved one or a very close friend that's married? Wave at me. So, so really, this message affects everyone. What I want to share with you today. Really, the retreat could have been for anyone. It was very focused on marriage and intimate relationship, but any relationship, if it's going to be healthy, has to have certain guidelines. It has to have certain criteria. And, and there was such an impart. Well, you could, you anybody, do you all believe there was an impartation that happened this weekend? I mean, there was. There was. So I want to talk to you just a few moments about closing the gap in your marriage. You know, there's kind of a lie out there, and I've shared it. I, I mean, I'm, I'm transparent with you. I, 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 you know, there's stats I grab sometime and I use. I should research more. But I think one of the biggest lies out there is the stat that there's more Christians get, as many or more Christians go through divorce than non-Christians. And, it, and it's just not accurate. And, and I want to give you a couple different stats on that to help you and where that comes from. I have a whole message, but I'm not, I'm not going to get into the whole message. So I got to find this since I'm kind of tweaking and changing things up. But uh, one doctor at a university, Professor Bradley, he said this. He's a sociologist at the University of Connecticut. That's where it is. And he explains from his analysis of, of a people who identify themselves as Christians. He said, now, when we're talking about Divorce. When we're talking about those that go through this tragedy, some more than one time, he says that of people who identify themselves as Christians but rarely attend church, so we're not saying they're not Christians, but they rarely attend church, 60% of these have been divorced. Okay? So, yeah, they're Christians, but they rarely attend church. Of those who attend church regularly... 38% have been through divorce. So it's a tragedy that happens. Uh, Shanti Feldon, Feldon, Feldhahn, who's written a great book titled um, Highly Happy Marriages, also did a study, and she has an interesting focus, and it's this, that the difference between nominal faith and actively engaged Christians is huge. Because we're talking about Get, being a Christian and making it to heaven by the hair of your chinny chin chin and the skin of your teeth, you know, that kind of stuff. But I think sometimes we just lump everything into a big pile. But she said those couples that are happy, healthy couples, 53% of very happy couples agree with a statement, God is at the center of my marriage. God is at the center of my marriage. Compared to... 7% of struggling couples. Only 7% of struggling couples said, and they're Christian couples, said that God was at the center of their marriage. But 53% that made that statement, they're all living a happy, healthy marriage life. She writes, happy couples tend to put God at the center of their marriage and focus on Him Rather than, this is critical, rather than on the marriage or their spouse to get their fulfillment and happiness. 
You see, if you put anything or anyone before Christ, you're receiving a downgrade. You see, when you focus and put Christ at the center, you're better. You're healthier. You're more anointed. You're, you're prepared. And the same way with your spouse. When we put our spouse, when we put our career, when we put our physical appearance, when we even put our children or grandchildren above our relationship with Christ, it downgrades every area of our life. Now, I, I, I've witnessed, and Steph has too, I, I've been, it was at our other property, a very uh, respectful person, they moved years ago to another state, but this gentleman helped preach for me in the pulpit, a volunteer layman, a wonderful man, I love him to death, and we're preaching one night, but his wife hadn't been coming to church for a long time, she never really got connected with our church, and he had been a pastor at least two other times for pretty long stints at a spirit-filled church, but now he's in the business world, and he was really locked into our church. And I'll never forget, I was preaching a midweek service, and I get this call. Man, we had a great anointed service, and he's crying on the other end of the phone. He can't even talk. And his daughter had to pick up the phone and said, Pastor, can you come to Dad? I, I thought, man, someone was killed. There's been something horrible. I said, yes, sweetie, what's wrong? She said, Mom left him a letter tonight while he was at church, and she's done, and their marriage of 20-plus years is over. You know, I had to go in that situation with my friend and minister to him and get him back on his feet. He eventually got remarried. He ministered. He, he's very healthy now and doing well. But I had to walk him through that. Steph and I have had wonderful friends and ministries that have great families and what we appear to be great marriages. Only we find that they disintegrate. And I'm like, why didn't you call me when this thing was a mess before it totally broke apart so I could help you? But it was usually because of pride or selfishness or secrets, putting ministry before God, putting adulation and influence before God. I've had people in the business world, friends of ours, and get horrible calls and see their family blown apart. I've seen it in our church, just wonderful, beautiful families that are on track, doing well. Someone gets a promotion, they get off track, they're so focused on their thing and their success that their marriage blows up. I've seen beautiful people in the church and dozens and dozens that were members of this church, and, and some still are, and, and see that they put all their attention on their kids or all their attention on their prayer life. You know, it's great to pray, but praying is communing and conversing and asking and receiving from God. Prayer is not one way, right? That's why I love Miss Gwen heading our prayer ministry up. I want somebody anointed and equipped and mature because it's so great. We can get off track doing good things, even great things, and blow up our family. Seeing people get all caught up in their health, and one does and one doesn't, and see the family blown apart. So when I share this with you for the next few moments, there's two truths that you need. There's two truths. I've talked about the first truth, and the first truth is Jesus needs to be at the center of your marriage. So when we put anyone or anything else in front of that, we're going to have issues. So we see that... Uh, this truth leads us to something deeply, some really deep reflective questions. And we hit some of these questions with, with the marriage, geek marriage group. Am I a nominal Christian or actively engaged in my faith as a Christian? 
Because one of the things, the guidelines was for people that pray regularly, people that attend church regularly, people that serve regularly, people that are connected, such as connect groups and other ministries and volunteering, that's the one that have the highest rate of success, fulfillment, and happiness in their families. So if we're a nominal Christian and we're not engaged Christians, we're down there at that 7% success rate. But if we're active and we're faithful and we're persistent, we're at over 50%, really 60% success rate. Have I made my spouse my savior instead of trusting Jesus as my savior? Who's your savior? Well, if he walks out on me or if she walks out on me, I'll die. Then you need to get right with God. I didn't say you're not saved. I said you just need to get right with God. What's right? He's first above your physical needs, your sexual needs, your financial needs, your, your spousal children. When you, fit, when you worship your kids and you live in fear because you don't want to discipline because they might turn on you or you went through something in your life, you put your kids before God and I'll tell you, you'll have way more problems out of them than you ever will putting God before your kids. Is God at the center of your marriage? It's got to, I tell you, you got a, a parent, friend, children, grandchildren, cousins, brothers of another brother, of another mother, whoever. And I promise you, if they're having marriage, marital issues, you need to do your checklist. Because I can promise you, Jesus is not at the center. Now, they may think he is. Well, I never miss church. I tithe. I, I attend church. I do all that. Well, is that coming before God? Not before your spouse. We don't let our spouse tell us you can't go to church. We love them, but we go to church. Well, the family needs to be unity. It can be unity and go to hell. You better lead that woman or that man to the water is what you better do. I've seen so many tactics of couples because Christ is not the center. Well, I don't want to go to that church. It's too, they're saying it's too loud. Well, it's probably too convicting. Honey, I'll go to the church with you over here because it's not convicting. And you don't have relationships at that church. Oh, you just say he's living right where you're at. Tap your neighbor. You know he's living right. Just tap him. They don't know you. Living right where you're at. Talking right where you're living, I mean. Yeah. So, so be careful when another spouse says, well, I just, you know, it's just kind of this or that. Be on guard. They don't want to be accountable. They want to go somewhere where they can hide. So you're going to agree with that? Well, but we have to be in agreement as a household. Well, maybe they need to be in agreement with you and God. I'm not saying you separate a family over these things. What I'm telling you is it's important to know the why behind decisions we make. Because let me tell you something, if you've got problems in that marriage now, you're going to have more problems if you back up on God. It's bad enough your spouse is backed up on God. You back up on God to please him, you ain't pleasing nobody but the enemy. I'm just telling you right now. It ain't going to help you out. Let's put it that way. Or maybe it's this, have I been living in fear, in the fear of divorce, rather than living by faith in Jesus? Are you afraid? Are you so afraid of divorce? Honey, if they left you for Jesus, then that's their loss, not yours. Oh, but preacher, that's not politically correct. That's your problem. God's not a political God. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. 
You can't be afraid of anyone. You can't be afraid of anything. You can't be afraid of any circumstance. And anytime there's fear, God is absent in the situation. Second truth. I'm going to make this quick. Is this. Having a healthy, successful marriage or any kind of relationship requires intentionality. You have to do it intentionally. You're not going to have a healthy, happy, fun relationship with a co-worker, let alone a spouse or a child or a parent or a ministry or whatever, if you're not intentional. It's like we're intentional for a while, and then we just think it'll take care of itself. Now we got bills and, uh, you know, home and kids and... You need to look at the statistics to see how many homes, bills, and kids get blown up and thrown out because eventually it comes off the rails. You have to be intentional. How is it? Step one, like I said, get Jesus in the center. James chapter 2, verses 17 and 18 says, In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith. I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith without deeds. You see, there's a lot of Christian marriages struggling today because they have faith without deeds, which is not faith. I have faith that she'll stick with me. We had a great marriage. We had a great life, and we've had great kids. We're financially set. We're secure. It, it all work out. Well, if you stop putting the deeds in there, it'll eventually blow up. You know, he'll be faithful to me. He'll be great to me. You know, I, I'm, I'm connected in my church. I got great friends. I take care of him. Man, I press his clothes before every business trip. I, I take care of the kids. I pay the bills. He just works and provides. And we got this great, and we get vacations, and we get all that. Well, if you put your prayer life before your sex life with your husband, you may not have a marriage. You put your appetite to shop because it releases stress before your marital relationship, you may not have a marriage. You put your children and their needs before your spouse's needs, male or female, you won't have a marriage. You might have a marriage if you find a way to rescue it. What are you talking about, preacher? Look at your neighbor and say, it's all right. Just tell them, just don't tell them. Say, it's all right. Because they're wondering like you, is this okay? He just said S-E-X in church. Some of you need it, praise God. More ways than one. Ladies, let me ask you. Ladies, let me ask you. Do you want your husbands to attend church on Sunday or do what he said he was going to do around the house for you? Well, let me tell you, that's half the answer. You want him to do both. It's kind of like one of the key human needs is surprises. How many of y'all love surprises? Wave your hand at me. I see a lot of you got smart on me. You learned a trick, right? No, you love the surprises that are good surprises. What do we call bad surprises? They're not surprises. They're problems. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. Men? 
Do you want your wife to spiritually, uh, to, to spiritually be spiritually sensitive to the Lord? Or respect you in front of your kids and other people? Yeah, see, they got it now. Newlyweds catching on quick up front. I'm just saying. <laughs> both. We don't want one or the other. We want both. Everybody say both. So, so what's that mean? Faith without actions is dead. Let me give you scripture we've hit for several months here. Philippians 4.13. What's it say? I. One more time. Now let's apply that toward our marriage. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If you took that approach, well, I just can't live another day with him. Duh. Christ must not be at the center. I don't think I can take one more trip with her. Duh. Got an issue. I'm not just mad at you. Well, it don't matter who you're mad at. If you're mad, you're angry, you're unhappy, it's not going to help the home. Well, you just need to forgive her. I can't do that. You know how many times I can't do that? I've counseled ministers that's had larger ministries than this try to help them save their marriage and save their ministries. That's I can't do. I can do all this other stuff, but I can't do that. Man, I'm looking at them going, you got beautiful kids, ministry, what? You can't. That's too far. That's too much. Well, anytime we say that's too hard, too far, too much, Christ is not at the center. Whatever the decision is. Because if he's at the center, he said what? I can do all things. See, we want to think, we want it through Christ, I can do all things is what we like. But that, that's the way a lot of Christians read it. But that's not accurate. Through Christ, I can do all things. You can't through Christ do anything if you don't do something because faith without works is dead. Faith without actions is dead. You're not, I can do is the key. You got to realize, what do you, what's your mama tell you, you kid? I don't think I can do well, you know, at school. Well, honey, you just do what you can do. Get out of bed, you're going. You got to do what you can do, right? And that's the way it is in relationships. That's the way it is in your marriage. That's the way it is with your children. And, and that's what it is your finances, your health, your ministry, your business, whatever. What is it? You got to have this attitude. I can do. I mean, who do you want to hang out with? Someone that can't ever do anything? They got a reason for everything? Well, you know, can you help pray? We got a big picnic Saturday that it rained. Well, I can't really do that. Well, well why? Well, I don't, two reasons. Well, well, I don't have time for one thing. You know, I'm so busy. And then what's the second reason? Well, you know, some people's praying for rain somewhere in the world. Maybe their yard needs watered or their... They'll find a reason to can't do anything. But we got to be can-do people. We got to understand. Now, when I get the attitude I can do all things... That's when I can involve Christ. If Christ is first, it takes the limits off my life. It takes the limits off my relationship. You know, a lot of times we can't even be, I'm going to teach the six human needs here sometime. You know, because a lot of people, they, don't, they want significance. I want significance. Well, significance is one of the human needs, right? It's a great human need. I mean, who doesn't want significance? To feel important, to be noticed, to have attention, to be wanted. But did you know there's two kinds of significance? There's good significance and bad significance. 
That's what your kids do when they don't get the attention they think they deserve. Doesn't mean they deserve it. They're going to show you the bad side. Maybe that's what your spouse is doing, showing you the bad side because you focus on something you don't need to be focused on. Or maybe it's them or both. If someone, you walk through a rough neighborhood and a person say, I live in a, r- a rough neighborhood where there's a lot of violence, and you're walking through with your spouse and you got your Rolex on, you just got out of your Beamer, and you know, you're going over here to this cute little place to eat, and you walk by and I need to feel significance, you know what I can do? I can take a revolver and put it towards your head. <laughs> hey! What? You know, all of a sudden, I'm this dude sitting over here. looks like I might be an issue in the dark. But guess what I am? I'm very significant to you right now because I hold your life in my hands. Do you know there's decisions we make and things we do that holds our life in its hands? Well, honey, we're just working a little extra together and Panera is quieter. And, you know, later in the evening, there's just not so many people there and... Oh, what, what, doesn't Panera close at 10? Yeah, but, you know, then we got talking about John and Susie out in the parking lot for another hour. And, oh, but it was all good. I'll talk to you in the morning. Better watch what kind of significance you're getting, dude. You might be sharing some significance that's going to kill you. Kill your marriage. Kill your influence. You see, we got to understand that Jesus has to be in the center. So we have to have the attitude, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That means I can do all things through Christ when I deal with my problems, obstacles, communication, intimacy, whatever it is, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, what's the little technique I gave you guys to, to the three little basic beliefs you have to have if you want to change or break anything into your life. Anybody remember number one? It comes off that scripture, but what is it? This So you want your marriage to change and you're praying for it to change? That's good. Pray. But when you pray effectively, God's saying something back to you. So if there's something being spoken back to you through the word, through God, through anointed friends, then you need to listen. See, this, it not could change, should change. I wish it would change. You got to kick the should out, right? Get, you're full of should. Get the should out and get a must. Because when this must change now, how many times do we see it with people with poor health and when they say you only got six months to live, they're taking care of their health. Or you might not live another week. You could live five years, but with that heart, they're going to eat right, right? What? Well, it become a must now. It's no longer I should or I could. What's the second belief we must have? I must I must change what? This now. So if I must change now, I must, this must change now. Now I look at it and say, I take responsibility, must change this now. What's the third belief? I can change this now. Why? Because I can do all things through Christ Jesus. So whatever this is, through Christ, it can be changed. And I'm going to pray with you right after this. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. You guys can come up to the keyboards or whatever. Holy and pleasing to God. This is your true 
true and proper service. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. Everybody say transformed. By what? The renewing of your spouse's mind. Oh, didn't say that. By renewing your kid's mind. No, be transformed by what? The renewing of our mind. If I see something that must happen and I say I must change it and I can change it through Christ, then that involves me. And I got to take responsibility for it. So if I want any pattern broken in my marriage, in a relationship with someone you're dating, in a relationship with your kids, your friends, your family, co-worker, you got to see what pattern you're dealing with and through Christ being the center of your life, you break that pattern through, pattern through what his word says and you put action to it. So do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed what, by the renewing of your mind. Look now, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So whatever it is with our marriage, we got to get a must. And we got to be intentional, and Jesus has to be first. It's the same way in your dating relationship. It's the same way in your relationship with your family, your friends, your loved ones, your co-workers, ministry, whatever. All of it operates the same.